Hey, my friends, welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I am Crystal Ward, and we help busy people like you and me grow in our relationship with God today with just a few simple steps. I hope today's message helps you, that it encourages you, and most of all, that it leads you closer to Jesus. Check this out. And so um, the title of my sermon tonight is, Where Does the Power Come From? Luke 24, 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Everybody say, power Oh my goodness, in the King James Version, these are actually Jesus' last words. We're going to see here in just a minute that this is his last words before he ascended into heaven. He had died on the cross, and he had rose again, and he walked with the disciples for 40 days, and now he is about to ascend into heaven, and this is the last thing he says to them, the last thing that's recorded. Stay here in Jerusalem, and we're going to read some more of it in just a second, until the Holy Spirit fills you with power from heaven. In the King James Version, it says, endues you. Nobody talks King James talk, but that's what it says in the King James, endues you, until you are endued with power from on high. You may have memorized that in the King James Version. And what that word endues means, it means to sink down in to something. It's more than just to put a jacket on. It's to completely sink down in. And the Holy Ghost wants you to sink down all the way into the power of God where you're completely submerged and wrapped up in the power of God. And that's what Bishop was referring to. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of fire. Many of you have been baptized in water, and some churches teach that when you receive Jesus, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that's not what we see in the scriptures. The evidence we see in the scriptures is that they receive Jesus, and then a secondary thing happens where the power of God comes upon them, and you see a radical change in them from before the power of God fell on them to after the power of God fell on them. Before the power of God fell and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out to the disciples, Peter was a hot mess. Peter couldn't do anything right. He was getting rebuked by Jesus. He cut a slave's ear off when it wasn't time for war. He cursed Jesus. After he's baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire, he stands up on the day of Pentecost and leads 3,000 people to Jesus and leads them in understanding the fulfillment of the scriptures. A fisherman, a fisherman says... No, let me explain what's happening to you. That's the power of God. It's secondary to salvation. But what I'm talking about tonight, it's more than just speaking in tongues. It is the power of God coming and filling you to overflowing. And we're going to dissect that tonight. And so what I hope to do is to provide, hopefully, a window of where does the power come from? 
And when I was putting this together, I was thinking, Lord, there are so many other ministers that are so much more powerful than I am. But there are things that I have grown in, and there are things that I have done, and such as I have been given, I give to you. So I hope you eat tonight, because this is 20 plus years of serving Jesus and trying to grow in understanding the power of God. Amen? Amen? Let's look at the second thing. Well, let's look at that word power is dunamis power. It is in the Greek miraculous power. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you now can do things that you couldn't do before. That's what we see in the life of Peter, right? right. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. And this is a little bit of the same thing of what we read but it adds a little bit more to it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were still watching and they could no longer see him. And so the Lord desires for the power of God to rest on his people. But can I tell you that we have not seen that a lot in churches. I just had recently, I just had multiple, or I just had um, ex multiple experiences with Christian leaders using profanity. Not in this church, praise God. <laughs> not in this church. We see so many things happening across the church of leaders of, of ginormous churches committing sin and falling to sin. I listen to sermons online and I hear so much weak preaching. Christian leaders have confused alliteration with anointing. We have confused cute catchphrases with the conviction of the Holy Ghost. We have confused skinny jeans with sanctification. And we have seen a lack of the power of God on people standing in the pulpit. We see Christian uh, worship artists international best-selling worship artists doing things that they shouldn't be doing behind the scenes. We see international ministers with these giant ministries with illicit businesses on the side. Now, I don't mean any disrespect to any Christian leader. I honor them for all that they've done in the body of Christ, but we've been missing the power for a long time. I can't do anything about their life. I don't have the influence. I don't have the authority to speak into their life. And guess what? They could really care less about my opinion. But I tell you what I can do. I can't do anything about them, but by God, I can do something about the ones that are following behind me. 
And the word that I want to give you tonight is how do I have the anointing and the power of God resting on me? How do I have the anointing that destroys every yoke flowing through my life? Young people, listen, when you go to school this fall, you can actually have the power of God resting on you so that when you walk into the room, things change. You actually can have the anointing of the Holy Ghost that shifts atmospheres resting on you as a teenager. And this is how we get it. Less young people. You and I can have the authority of the Spirit to command the will of God no matter where we are. We can have the anointing of the Lord on our words so that when we begin to minister, hearts begin to shift and the power of God falls in that moment. You can have the anointing of the Lord on your hands to where you go to pray for somebody, all of a sudden they feel the power of God and they go, what's that? The power of God. What if the power of God came back to his people? And I'm not talking about a pulpit. I'm talking about ordinary, everyday Christians walking in the power and the authority and the anointing, knowing who they are in Christ, not afraid to pray, not afraid to lay hands, not afraid to open their mouths, not afraid to declare Jesus in their workplaces, not, a pl- not afraid to stand up and say, here, let me pray for you and call on the glory of the Lord right where they are, not afraid, not afraid to stand up, not afraid to speak truth and love not afraid to release the glory of the Lord because we have been with God in prayer because we have some anointing on our life because we've been in our prayer closet not afraid to release the heart of God and to declare the truth in love and in purity and in holy fire and in passion what if the power of God returned to the church what if the anointing of the Lord rested on his servants What if we opened our mouth and things changed? What if we called on the will of God for our region, for our nation, for our church, for our job, for our employers? What if we had some fire? What if we got with the Lord in prayer? What if we actually knew what truth was and we weren't afraid to speak it with his heart? What if? Where does the power come from? Where does the power come from? What is the power of God? What's it for? The power of God is the anointing. You hear that word, the anointing? What does that mean? That means the power of God. What's it for? It's the power of God that comes on you to reveal Jesus. The anointing can come and rest on you to where now all of a sudden, You have the ability to reveal Jesus in that moment. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? Look at Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass in that day, that's today, that his burden shall be taken away from off of your shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke... That's the thing that binds and weighs us down. Shall be destroyed. Everybody say destroyed. Because of the anointing. And we have leaders that lack anointing. But that's not the era of the church that we're heading into. 
There is a people that are rising up all over our nation and all over our world that have the anointing of the Lord on them. Something is wrong when a Christian in the Middle East who doesn't know anything of the word, only knows that Jesus died for them and that Jesus loves them and they have more anointing to shift things than an American Bible college student. We need the anointing. We need the anointing. What does it look like? What does it look like when the power of God shows up? Sometimes, sometimes we get afraid of what God's going to do. And it's like, I want God to touch me, but I don't want to look weird. The Holy Spirit is never weird. We're actually weird. The Holy Ghost is eternal. He sets the standard for what is weird or off. Do you know what's weird? It's when we act out of our flesh that's weird. But if you come to the altar or, you, or even where you are and you surrender to the Lord and the Lord begins to touch you in power, he has this gracious way of covering you to where it doesn't look weird. If it's authentic, it's not weird. Satan is weird. The demonic is weird. When the demonic starts happening, that's when things get weird. But not the Christian responding to his or her heavenly father. That is not weird. That is normal. Get that. You don't have to be afraid. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So what does it look like when the power of God starts to fall on you and starts to touch you? It looks like whatever is needed in that moment. So sometimes it's gentle. And it's very private and it's personal and intimate. And sometimes it's strong and it's fierce. Whatever you need to receive from God, that's how he's going to come. And he's your perfect father and he's a gentleman. He, he does not embarrass you. And he loves you. And he wants to touch you. So you never have to be afraid what's going to happen. Also, what makes us afraid is our lack of control. And our lack of understanding. Like, I don't get that. So, I'm going to like, let y'all go get touched by the Lord. And I'm going to hang out over here. Now, if you're not prepared for that, I understand. But if you're hungry, don't let anything hold you back. Like, what I've been thinking lately, when I go into worship, sometimes I get really distracted in worship. Men understand that your women in your lives, distraction can be a big challenge for us. God designed our brains like computers, and they are very, a, a lot of things happening. And he designed your brain, men, like a train track. And that's cool. That's cool. We're both illustrating different sides of the father. It's cool. But there's nothing broken with her if she gets distracted. But ladies or guys, you may deal with distraction too. Sometimes that's common. Like I'll be in worship and I'll get distracted and I'm like, man, I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste this opportunity to get everything I can from the Lord. And so I just come back. 
and I just come back because I want to get everything that God has. Amen? So it looks like whatever is needed in that moment, it doesn't necessarily look like falling out, though that does happen. It doesn't necessarily look like yelling or speaking in tongues, like screaming in tongues. It doesn't necessarily look like being emotional. It looks like whatever it needs to look like. So where does the power come from? Number one, the spirit. The spirit. Now I'm going to share a couple of things that you may not have heard We know that it comes from the Spirit, but I'm going to hopefully give you a little bit more than what you may have heard before. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this this is a super interesting verse guys it says don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead okay notice this he's actually comparing the infilling power of god to being drunk with wine that's why it's so good, y'all. That's why it's so, it's so easy to be addicted to the presence of God because it's like, this is amazing. It's because alcohol is a counterfeit for what we get in the presence of God. That, that's, that you, you, can, you can read that in Proverbs 31. It's actually a counterfeit for what you were designed to receive by the Spirit of God. So it says... Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse says that I should get a solo, Pastor Josh. So it's telling me what to do. So, okay. I'm just waiting for my mic. No, like we can get with the Lord and we can sing and we can enjoy his presence. And as we do that, we are filled with the Holy Ghost. That word filled, it's, it means to like cram down, like until you can't get any more and it starts flowing over the side. That is what the word filled means. And so in order to do that, so you notice that that word filled, it refers to like a receptacle. And it says that we are a receptacle. And just how you can put alcohol into your receptacle, you can put the Holy Ghost into your receptacle so much that you begin to fill up to overflowing and you start spilling out everywhere you go. But a vessel needs to be continually filled to stay filled. And that's why the Apostle Paul is saying here, be filled with the Spirit. Notice that it's a command. And it's a command to you to go be filled. It's not a command to God to say, fill me. 
It's a command to you because he's always ready to fill you. He's always ready to pour out. It's a command to us to go drink from the water and to be continually, to continually filled till we can't get any more in there. See, you can't give what you don't have. Here's a little ministry 101 for you guys. Y'all are the revival crowd. Y'all are the serious folks. When you go to be with the Lord and you spend time with God in prayer, notice that if you want to minister, you got to have something to give. And we're all called to minister. Every single one of us has a great commission where Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That applies to every Christian, not just somebody from a mic. Right, so we all have a great commission to go and to make disciples and to minister, but we cannot give what's not in there. Now, when you got saved, the Holy Ghost came on you, but what he's saying is be filled with the Spirit of God and continually drink in the Spirit of God so that you have something to give. So I teach my team, when you go to the Lord in prayer, don't go to the Lord for ministry or for somebody else, or to have a word for somebody else. You go get with the Lord. Let him fill you up. Enjoy being with him. Enjoy his presence. And then when it comes time to have a word, you will. You will have something to share. Let's look at it in the scripture in in Acts. Acts chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. It says, Peter, so there was a man, he was, let me set it up a little bit. There was a man sitting at the gate called Beautiful outside the temple, and he would sit there every day, and he would beg, and he would ask for alms. And Peter and John, they they probably passed him every day, and I guess the Holy Ghost just said, hey, now, now's the time. And Jesus actually passed this man as he was on the temple, most like on his way to the temple, most likely. And so the man was asking them for alms. And Peter and John looked at him intently. We got to see people, guys. We got to see people. Like if we're just on go all the time, we don't see the needs around us. And Peter said, it said, Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. We got to have the spirit of God. We have to have something to give. But if you'll go be with the Lord, if you'll prioritize him, you'll put him first, you'll get with the spirit of God. When the time comes, you will have something to share. But if you're a a dry and weary and empty vessel, the Lord still loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He doesn't punish you. But our receptacle is on E. Does that make sense? So we got to be with the Lord. We are Christians that spend time with God. All right, number two. Where does the power come from? Number two, childlike faith. Childlike faith. Mark chapter 10 Verses 13 through 16 says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. 
But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. There's a word in that. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Childlike faith is simple faith. And I'll, let, me just, let me just be transparent with you. This is an area I've really been working on growing in. It seemed like when I was younger in the Lord, I was dumb enough to have childlike faith. And then, as I started to grow in the Lord and I thought I was all mature, I started to complicate my faith. Childlike faith gives us keys to the kingdom. Simple faith. We just believe what the Lord says. It seems like as we grow as Christians, we start to complicate the word. Why? Because we let our experience dictate the truth of the word. But the truth of the word was designed to dictate our experience. Right? And so I'm trying to get back to where I was in my ignorance, where I just believed God. Just simply believed and did what he said without qualification. And I'm noticing an increase of the flow of the power of God in my life because childlike faith gives us keys to the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is the reality of heaven manifested in the earth. It's where, it's where what is true and what is real in heaven starts to be poured out and manifested amongst us. And childlike faith gives us keys to access that. Amen. Amen. Can I borrow that mic, bishops? Okay. Yeah, if you don't mind. All right, I'm going to tell you a story. Come here, Colbs. Y'all give Colby a hand. All right, so I asked Colby. No, he's not a child. He's actually almost a grown man, right? For sure. But I want you to hear a story about simple faith. Simple faith is powerful faith, right? And I want you to hear a story about that. So tell us about the donut story. Okay. So we were chilling in our dorms after, like, oh, this was in YFN. So we were, after the service, we went back to our dorms, and some dude in our dorms, his name was Layton, he, he said he saw a vision of a, of a donut. So I was like, so me and Caleb were like, hmm, maybe you should, like, look out for a dude that has, like, a donut shirt or something. So then the next day, we got ready. Hold on. Why did you say that? Why did you think you should look for a donut shirt? That wasn't part of the, the procedure, I'm sorry. But, like, what made you think donut shirt? Because I would think eat a donut. Oh, well, because um, when that British dude came. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? The, 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 the British dude is Andrew Cannon. Oh, when yeah, Andrew and Cannon Pastor Buck. and Pastor Buck, what did they teach you? Well, they... Put up the mic right here. Oh, yeah. Well, they were like, they are like, um, I don't know. They taught you to, like, look, look for, like, images and, and things, right? And to, like, pay attention when you see these images because it might be a link to what God wants, something God wants to do. Correct? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Tell the rest of the story. Okay. So then 
Um, so then we were, we were um, coming back from lunch, and then we saw that, that some dude, can I say his name? No, I don't have, you don't have to say his name. Oh, okay. Some dude, he had a donut shirt on, so we were like, that's so cool. So then um, after the service, we invited him to our dorm to pray over him, and we prayed, and we gave him some words, and it was really cool. And you, you prayed, and you prophesied over him. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. And then he responded well? Mm-hmm. What kind, how, what kind of ways did he respond? Well, I think he was almost crying. Yeah. And you could really tell, like, God was touching his mm -hmm. heart? Yeah? How did you feel after that? I felt really cool. Yeah? Were you worried? Like, were you, were you worried? Like, you might, like, you, it might not happen the way, like, uh, that you might not see a donut. It might be something kind of, like, nothing at all. Were you, were you worried? Not really. No? Yeah. When you went to pray for him, were you concerned that God wasn't going to show up? Not really. Why? I don't know. You just did it? Yeah. Right. All right, y'all give Colbs a hand. I want to point out that that wasn't just Colby in that story. There was also Layton, who couldn't be here tonight, and also Caleb. And so big shout out to these guys. Thank you. Big shout out to these guys. But that is childlike faith. They just saw it and thought, what if God does this? And they just did it. And what if we quit complicating our faith? What if we just received from God and just did it and just said, Lord, the results are up to you? Yeah? Yeah, I'm really trying to, I'm really working on growing in that. And I'm seeing so much come out of just believing God. So much more power in that. All right, where does the power come from? Number three, spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. Let's take a look. Ask yourself for a minute. We're going to go into Genesis 1. But ask yourself for a minute. Do you have spiritual authority? Or is it only somebody with a mic? Think about that. Do I actually have authority to speak for God? Or do I have to have a title? Right? Look at what Genesis chapter 1 says. So God created human beings in his own image. Does that say he created pastors? Does it say he created ministers? Does it say he created prophets or teachers or apostles? It says he created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God gave man and woman delegated authority to rule and reign over the earth. Let's look at, let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at it in the amplified version. Jesus' disciples had come to him and said, Master, teach us how to pray. And this is part of the Lord's Prayer. He said, Pray therefore like this, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or kept holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Jesus is saying, when you pray, release the will of God into the earth. Believe that you have authority to release and to produce the will of God in the earth. Amen? Which really pray the will of God in the earth and the results are up to the Lord. When you pray, don't be afraid to command the will of God to come. Do you have a promise in scripture that you're not seeing in your life? Command it. Because it was given to you. And you have authority to do so. If you've been tithing and you haven't seen breakthrough happen in your, in your finances, command Malachi chapter 3. Lord, your word declares in Jesus' name that you will open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than I have room enough to receive. So, Lord, according to the word of God, I command the blessing of God to come over my house. Command the word of God over your kids. Command the word of God wherever you go. In order to do that, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be helpful to spend time with him in prayer so that you can hear direction from his voice. If you can hear, this is what I want to happen, you can declare it and command it. So as I was praying for you guys, I just felt like there were things that were on God's heart. So I didn't really ask him to do those things. I commanded it because it was on my father's heart and he wanted it done and he's given me and you delegated authority over the earth amen amen well I was going to go ahead but I don't know where I was going I'm going to say one more thing about commanding and authority this is really important when you pray you don't have to force the will of God you don't have to manipulate God with your prayers he already wants to love you and bless you. He already wants to manifest himself among you. He already desires for his blessing to be over your life. All you have to do, you don't have to force it. All you have to do is align with what his will is. Amen. And speak out the will of God. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. You don't have to cry. But you do need to understand that you are called to be an ambassador of God on this earth. To bring the will of God into the earth through your prayers. Amen? Amen. Number four. Where does the power come from? Holy living. Holy living. We will not apologize for preaching holiness. Because for too long, leaders in the church have been scared, and I think I have been one of them on more than one occasion, to talk about holiness. Because we don't want to offend people, and we don't want to make them feel bad. But then we have a people that don't know how to serve God and don't know how to please God. Right. We have to talk about holiness if we love people. We don't have to condemn people. We don't have to be hateful. We don't have to bang them over the head with the word of God, but we need to teach them, be ye holy, for he is holy. You're only hurting yourself with sin, right? So we won't apologize for talking about holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. I love hearing the words of Peter because he's just such an interesting person it says so you must live 
as God's obedient children. I think my point is, if there's hope for Peter, there's hope for us. <laughs> Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. I think I'm going to read that line again. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. Holiness is love, guys. Holiness is love. Telling somebody about holiness is love. Because sin separates us from God. Sin brings forth death. But holy, purity, you can actually see the face of God. For the scriptures say, you must be holy, for I am holy. But I think it's important that we understand what does that word holy mean. Because we've got religion. A spirit of religion has gotten it all wrong. Holiness does not mean perfect according to the law. A spirit of religion is the one that goes around with the clipboard and the pen and checks to make sure you have done every single thing you were supposed to do today and if you hadn't, beat you over the head with it. That's a spirit of religion. That's not holiness and that's not the Holy Ghost. Holiness means this. I belong to you, Lord. Holiness means I am set apart my whole life belongs to you and my whole life is designed to be pleasing to you that is the definition of holiness to be set apart did you notice that bishop lt started to preach on holiness last night like you're preaching on my sermon and so we live in such a way that our entire life belongs to the Lord. Everything we have belongs to God. And therefore, we want to please him in all that we do. So because we want to please him, because we love him, we abstain from things that he says is profane. So there are things, worship team, you can make your way up when, when you can. There are things that we do and don't do as children of God to glorify the Lord. There was a time in my life where I was really struggling with this one sin. This was when I was much really trying. It wasn't like I was just accepting this sin. I was really trying to, to, to glorify the Lord, and I, and I was struggling. And one, one day, the Lord helped me. When I was committing that sin, he gave me an image of a little devil like this. And he was like that cartoon devil, you know, with the pitchfork tail and, right? And he was real tiny, but he was celebrating while I was sinning. And I saw that in my mind. I said, never again. I'm done. And I left it. At that point in time. Right. Holy. Be holy and set apart. So there's things that we do and we don't do in our house. Because we want to glorify the Lord. I can name off some of those things and I might. But understand the point. 
The point is not a checklist of what you can and cannot do. That is religion. The point is, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. And I want the power of God, the anointing of the Lord to rest on me. I had this um, clogged sink for like forever in my bathroom. It was awful. My husband and I were so busy, we just couldn't address it. And I could see it like the water would go in it, but it, wouldn't dra- it would drain out real slow. And after a while, it just stopped. It almost didn't drain at all. And then the sink started to get junked up, and it was gross. And one day while I was gone, my husband fixed the sink for me. And he told me, you don't want to see what came out of it. I said, you're right. Thank you for doing that. And I came home that day, and the sink was clean. It was spotless. And the water went in, and it was clean. And the water flowed out, and it was clean. Right? But sometimes we let sin junk us up. And it backs up the flow of the Holy Ghost. And what does flow out flows with crud in it. Get that image. When, when we have, and, and, and we all have things that we need to deal with. There's no anybody that's better than anybody else. But we want to be pure vessels through which the Lord can pour through us. Right? And so it's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weaknesses. And he helps us to overcome. We don't take advantage of grace just because God is good. The same grace that was there for us to be saved is the same grace that empowers us to overcome sin. So be holy, be set apart. And love the Lord with your whole life. Ask him. If there's anything that is in you that he doesn't want to be there, ask him if there's anything in your house. I did a house cleaning the other day and I got rid of everything I could possibly think of that might be offensive to the Holy Spirit. And number five, where does the power come from? Spiritual intimacy. Intimacy. We need to be able to be trusted with the power of God. And we learn how to be trusted with the power of God as we take on his heart and the things that he loves and the things that he thinks and the things that he hate. As we spend time with him, the things that are on his heart become the things that are on our heart. And we can become intimate and close with him. I never have to worry about anything that belongs to me with my husband. I never have to worry about how he's going to represent me in public or what he's going to say about me. I never have to worry about him abusing my things because he provided them for me. Why? Because I'm intimate with him. 
I know him. And it's so much deeper than physical. I know his heart and I know he loves me and the things that are on his heart are on my heart. If we want the power of God flowing in our lives, I'll promise you that that power flows purely when we're intimate with the Lord and we're close to him. We can hear from him clearly and we can just step into what he's doing in that moment because we're used to being with him. Psalms 11:7 says, for the righteous Lord loves justice and the virtuous will see his face. We get to commune with the Holy Spirit and take on his heart. The power of God flows through the heart of God and the love of God for people. Amen. Why don't we just bow our hearts to the Lord? Let's take the time to search our hearts. You don't have to let condemnation come. Condemnation is the work of the enemy. But we do need to let conviction come. We do need to live in such a way that says, Lord, all that I am belongs to you. Why would we want who we are to belong to anybody else? Wouldn't we want our whole life to be in the hands of the one who made us, who is entirely good and faithful and true? Why would we want our lives to be in our own hands? So much better in the Lord's. I know we have struggles. The Lord knows we have struggles. But he says, hey, give that to me. Give that to me. I want you to be intimate with me. I want to share secrets that you've never known before with you. If you just want to make sure that your life is right with the Lord, if you're feeling like, man, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if my, right, my life is right with God and I want to be. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. Just showing him, showing him, I see, I see. Showing him, Lord, I, w I want to be right with you. I want to be pleasing with you, pleasing to you. I see these hands. Just tell him, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. All that I am belongs to you. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and purify me now. Say these things to the Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me. Now the word says that he takes our sins and he casts them as far as the east is to the west and he remembers them no more. And so when we go back home, we say, all this junk's got to go so that I can live in such a way that is pleasing to my heavenly father. And we clean house, get it out. If it's not pleasing to the Lord, it's got to go. I've thrown away so many things over the last couple of months just because I want our whole home to be pleasing to him and for the spirit of God to rest on our house. 
So let it go. Decide. Decide if you want to keep that stuff or if you want to let it go. Decide if you want the anointing and the power of God on you or you would rather have physical pleasure or whatever those things are. And if you make that decision, the Holy Ghost will come and he will help you. Sometimes we got to go to a friend. Sometimes we got to go to a pastor and we got to get help. Sometimes we need to go to a counselor. But we got to do what we need to do to present ourselves as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. Holy and acceptable. Which is our reasonable service. If you'll grow in these ways, if you'll grow in filling yourself with the Spirit of God, if you'll grow in childlike faith, if you'll grow in operating in your authority, if you'll grow in holiness and purity, if you'll grow in spiritual intimacy with the Lord, you will see the power of God poured out through you. You will see the Lord show up in your midst. This is what it is. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the saints. Not this watered down, junked up gospel. Not this cool, skinny jeans gospel. It's the power of God. It is the power of God resting on us. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed the message today. I hope that it inspired you and that it brought you closer to Jesus. If it helped you, why don't you right now just click the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts. For more resources, you can go on over to crystalwart.com and connect with us on social. We want to get to know you. And we are so excited to be on this journey with you as we lean on God's grace to grow together. See you next time.